That's bullshit? Uh, yes. Yeah. Why was that bullshit? There's completely different types of games, different devices, different tastes. Really focus on the game, trying to create something that's fun, that's engaging. CryptoKitties almost killed Ethereum. They just do it for fun and... and I'm gonna start off with a little bit of an awkward question. Space monkeys blasting off on gaming in the Polkadot ecosystem with four very special guests. Lucas from Everloop. We have Nick from Ayuna. We have Adam from Moonsama, and we have Alex from Unique Network. We're all here to talk about the development of gaming. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having us. So I'm going to start off with a little bit of an awkward question. When I first joined crypto several years ago, uh, one of the first promises made to me was that it would change gaming forever. I guess my first question for all you guys is uh, what's taking so long? What do you mean? NFTs were going to completely revolutionize gaming markets and give people access to their own assets. And Have you heard of Play to Earn? So tell me about that. Happened a couple of years ago. It was like a, bill, a few billion dollars changed hands. Something did happen. Why don't we hear about Play to Earn so much anymore? Everybody kind of jokes about that, how, you know, it's a Ponzi scheme, how crypto overall is a big kind of hype, you know, pump and dump and so on. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's how innovation happens. Think of it. Coming up, discovering a new room that's mm -hmm. in vacuum, mm. doesn't have anything in it. Yeah. Okay. You open the door. What happens? Well, the pressure starts widely, kind of equalizing, right? Sure. So you have these wild swings in the beginning, mm. and then you slowly start to get there. So you know, we had CryptoKitties. It kind yeah. of almost killed Ethereum, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. So we discovered something. We learned something. Don't do too much smart contracts, or you'll kill Ethereum. Okay. And then we had uh, play to earn. Okay. You know, don't do Ponzi schemes. It, they're not going to last. Gotcha. Maybe a different perspective. I think we have play to earn has really bad rap as sort of a term. And if you think about it, play to earn has been around for many years, whether that was back in sort of World of Warcraft and it was sort of an illegal thing to go outside of the system and then sort of try to trade things. Sure. But maybe another way that you can see it, see, see streaming, like companies like Twitch and now Kick and Rumble. That's their business model, right? What are their streamers doing? They're just online, playing video games and earning money. But if you think a bit, let's say from a community perspective, play to earn is viable, but not for everyone, right? right. So usually you will see that, let's say, let's take a streamer for an example. Mm -hmm. He's playing games, but he's adding value to the ecosystem. He's giving, let's say, visibility to the studio for the game. Yeah. He's providing entertainment, let's say, for, their, for his audience. Right, right. And a small economy starts being created around him, right? He right. needs a moderator. He needs somebody who does his videos. And so maybe that's a different perspective of how you can look sort of play to earn. It's there. But it doesn't mean that everybody's going to sort of start playing Axie Infinity and everybody sort of makes games. So maybe that's a different approach to play to earn. Yeah, thank you. That's a, some really nice nuance. Okay. So we, we learned our lessons from that sort of extreme Ponzinomics play to earn. Um, what are we filling this new vacuum with lately? I think we're going right now actually to the, to the actual meat around the bone, right? Sort of we're past these initial experiments. But okay. we're still in experimentation phase. I mean, sure. maybe look at back in the time when, when, you know, the Nokia phone came out, right? Sort of, which that's 2000s. Somebody decided, hey, I'm going to make a stupid game, which is just a snake yeah. going around. Great game. You, don't, you can't get any more rudimentary technology than sort of a dot matrix screen and, and sort of a keyboard. Yeah. Now, the same year, uh, the PlayStation 2 was out. It's not that everybody suddenly say, hey, F 
PlayStation 2 or in Grand Theft Auto, I'm going to go convert to playing Snake on my Nokia. But maybe what it did back then, it sort of triggered developers in the community that, hey, maybe there is a future in this device. And fast forward to today, mobile gaming is by far the biggest vertical inside the gaming space. Adam, you guys had a lot of big games and ideas coming up, and you guys are now consolidating on the Moonsama chain. What's that looking like? I think we're yet to see like a, like a viable, like long-term sustainable economy around play to earn, because the problem is that you are continuously inflating the token supply. You also would need to continuously introduce some, some kind of thing, some kind of outlet for those tokens to compensate for it. So at Moonsama, you know, we had the Minecraft Carnage events where you could earn these, these tokens and, you know, people were playing every week, increasing the supply. And we were trying to, you know, introduce this crafting economy around it. So it's went from play to earn to play to craft. Mm. But it's also something very exhausting to do because you continues to need to introduce new things to craft and, and, and you know, new okay. things to keep people entertained. Mm. And it just becomes a never-ending chore. And eventually, it started to have like the same damperino effect when you know, people, you know, earn stuff for free. They just, you know, it, it it's always feels less valuable, and, and people dump it. Mm. So it's a big challenge that you know I'm still trying to crack of like how to make it in a way that's that that you know actually doesn't create that that pump and dump ponzinomics uh, ponzinomics effect. Uh, and I haven't seen anybody crack this really. Um, it's still still a you know, creating avenues for token holders where they can, you know, use up their tokens in, you know, in a way that, you know, it doesn't feel like you try to trap them, but make them create something out of it, like those tokens, you know, burn it, use it up, that uh, creates value and, and, you know, like, you uh, know, in, in a different, different way and kind of uses up those introduced increased token supply. Interesting. But I feel like there are models that have shown to work um, and I think we, we're trying one of them, which is just really focus on the game, trying to create something that's fun, that's engaging, um, and using the blockchain on top of it, trying to further up uh, develop with it, but like in the core, have your gameplay, which I think there are a ton of games that live off of that, off, off of having a, a good game and then building on, on top of it. So I'm not sure, sure what your opinion on that is, but I feel like without having a, a solid game at the mm. core, like nothing works. What's the foundation of a solid game? I mean, there's a couple of a couple of things. I mean, um, game design is always a, a big part. Um, I mean, I, I got we get to to stuff like tokenomics there again, um, but like creating game loops that are actually engaging. That um, maybe you, you don't need a token at the end to reward you, but you have like a, a fun experience in there, and you feel like rewarded afterwards because you you slayed a, a monster or something, and you don't need that token to pop up in your wallet to actually feel um, that dopamine rush. So that's like one approach, like actually trying to, to build around game loops that, yeah, that players enjoy. I think maybe the, one of the, the, the nice things about, because gaming is a really, really broad sort of term. Within gaming, there's completely different types of games that sort of are suited for different devices, different tastes and everything. Sure. And I think that's actually one of the exciting things in our ecosystem right now, that you have parachains like us that we've been in this ecosystem trying sort of to work with the technology and sort of actually use it, like the blockchain with its all its limitations and its shitty block times and all of these uh, things. And then now having, for example, somebody like Mythical, entering, which they're taking a completely different approach, yeah. which is pretty much try to, I, at least that's the way that I understand it, that try to hide the blockchain completely from sort of the end user. 
And the idea is that sort of the sacrifice there is that I guess their goal was how can I be compliant to be on an app store? Yeah, yeah. So at least I open up the access. Mm. And the way that they're doing it is, hey, you sign up with your email. In the background, I'm creating a guest, let's say, wallet. And I guess their hope is that if you're engaged enough in the game, there's going to be a point that I'll be able to trigger and tell you, hey, by the way, that asset in your game, it's yours. And if you want to claim it, you just need to go get your wallet. Yeah. So I think there's different approaches, and that's why I believe we're getting very close to the meat on the bone, that everybody's really trying to figure out how it's working. I still think the biggest problem is access. You can't expect uh, game developers to make 50 or 100 million investments to create a Call of Duty when there's no access. Right, mm -hmm. it's like making a game for a Windows phone. Nobody has a Windows phone. Right. Yeah. I actually have a, a, a cool story about Mythical. I just had a, a conversation with a friend a couple of days ago. I played a lot of CS CS:GO back in the day, mm -hmm. and they have like skins, and they live in their own Steam marketplace. But yeah. they were like third-party stores that um, started like trading places for those. Sure. And like he traded one of those, and he he told me uh, like in the transaction I did, there was like a information your block hash or something is this and it says like oh it was from myth mythical and he asked me like what does it mean and I, w I was surprised that they actually are using it and then i looked into it and i found out that th they're basically running that in the back end and then uh, i told him about blockchain he was interested he found it um yeah, interesting that they're doing stuff like that so i think it's an interesting approach and it, i think it can definitely get people into the space fascinating yeah and we're coming you know the, those thoughts are coming to the uh, kind of uh, I think a good answer to your original question what what has happened and what will happen we are all in here and everybody is a creator they want the role for them what they're doing to be front row they want to be on stage they want to be famous and rich right that's what kind of a lot of people are after but actual truth is that blockchain gaming is going to become the thing when actually it takes the very modest role under the hood okay hmm. so you know that model that uh, mythical is pursuing is kind of very promising even top shots has proven that right. you know there's mm -hmm. kind of there's no kind of blockchain in there if you don't look so psychologically speaking us, the, you know, the people who are in the blockchain, they're really, you know, it's the, 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 the uh, crypto is very social yeah. movement. Mm. And you can really make gazillions of dollars if you create that social movement successfully. Look at, the, you know, the, 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 the mem coins. Uh, ridiculous thing that has become a billion, multi-billion dollar thing. Mm. Right? And everybody wants that. They don't want to make... I don't know, hundred thousand dollars a year because on doing something dull, they want to make billion dollars by making something that you know everybody talks about. Yeah, yeah. So you know that's what's been happening. That's why it's taking so long. Interesting. We need, we need to find our place in the kind of the wider world. I think those projects were just the first to sprout out, but I think a lot of people are building and are trying to get there. But it takes, no, it takes more time than those meme coins, I guess. Yep. Yep. But I am upset. I've never gotten a meme coin and gone to the moon. Never, eh? I'm still waiting for it. Uh, you know, I did once, but then I lost it all in the same week. It's really it's yeah. terrible, yeah. yeah. So that's good. Painful. I mean, I think the way that we are as an industry now, the, the, the point of inflection where things change is that it's the business model that needs to change. So mobile gaming, right, from a screen, then we had a smartphone with no app stores, right? And so then I think the trigger for developers were like, oh, good, we have a good screen, let's port a game which I have for a PlayStation or a Nintendo on here. Yeah. 
put the same price, $29.99, $30.99, and they, I think they saw that it doesn't work, mm. right? Because porting something which has a different sort of layout and system was not a fun experience. And for okay. some reason, we have all been conditioned that we're fine to pay $1,000 for our phone, but I, there's no way I'm giving $2.99 in an app store. Yeah, yeah. And I think somewhere there that triggered the, the, the change and we got sort of the freemium and free-to-play, which I think that's sort of what pushed a new business model in these types of games with all of the shit that came with it, like sort of pay to win and these aggravating sort of type of um, mechanics. But maybe we're still in, in, in search of a business model for Do you think that pushed games. it, that like they saw that people aren't buying them anymore? Because I think it happened like one started doing free to play, saw that people are willing to spend a lot of money if they feel connected to the game and they yeah. were like, let's just do that. I mean, that, that's why I think it's a change in the business model because the business yeah. model is supposed to take you to revenues and they were seeing that nobody's getting in the game, so let me get them in and if, they, if I hook them, which is I think how a good game loop works, eventually you're gonna open yeah. your wallet and... Exactly, but I feel like that's like almost like a win-win, right? So you, you try to engage the player, you give them like a free experience and then once he, once he thinks, um, he would feel better by purchasing something he does, but then he's like at that point where yeah. he, he does feel satisfied anyway. Then you use the game, you're like happy about it, I guess. I think so. I mean, it, it, it has the same risks as what we were saying before about play to earn. If you build it in an aggravating way, it, it mm. falls apart. Same thing that if you're doing a freemium, but essentially it's play to win, yeah, and you're forcing people to keep sort of paying to just progress in the game, yeah, it can get pretty That's messed true. up. But I think, yeah. You're talking about kind of playing the long game and really developing the right tech instead of chasing the shiny objects. When I first got into space, Unique was really like a leader in NFTs. What's Unique been developing uh, in the background that kind of supports this gaming use case? <laughs> or um, things that we proven have proven back then that uh, should be there and it can be there, but in on an industrial strength kind of level. It's very boring stuff. Okay, well, let's get okay. into it. What do you mean uh, by industrial strength, uh, NFTs? That means produ uh, production level so that thing works, that it yeah. works kind of, you know, 100% of the time is blockchain. You shouldn't be, you know, losing anything of value. Right. And that it works on some kind of scale and that it works with everything else, et cetera, et cetera. So mm -hmm. um, doing that is actually much simpler, much harder than, than uh, anybody thinks. Uh, it, you know, in uh, blockchain, it takes you... It can take him, you know, a day or two or a month or two to kind of do things to prove that you can do it. But then it takes you a year or two to actually do it on a scale where it really works for, you know, for bigger applications and that you have all the tooling around it. Don't forget, Polkadot is new. Mm -hmm. You know, didn't have any uh, any wallets supporting NFTs. They didn't have any minting solutions. They didn't have. Uh, there were very few people who know uh, Rust or, or or Substrate and so on. So you need kind of all kinds of toolings as the case for others to be able to interact with it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, just an example. Last year we did about six thousand GitHub commits, and out of that, about twelve hundred was the core stuff that goes into the blockchain, and the rest was all kind of all the tooling around. Right. Because there was none, uh -huh. okay? So okay. we did the heavy lifting there, mm. learned our lesson, but that's what you need to do to actually get so, uh, to, to make software that works and that works always and that works on a scale to be able for, you know, people to actually use it. It's one thing to kind of build something and say, okay, now, you know, if you want to use it, dig into GitHub, read the code and, the, you know, the, the, the comments on it and go about and kind of build your own thing. 
Okay, there are some people who get hot about that, but I don't think it's the majority. Majority wants to say, okay, you know, I see this video or read this presentation in five minutes and off I go. Yeah, right? yeah. And to get there, you need to explain it to the people in that language, and that means SDK and the documentation and videos and all the other stuff. Unity is, I think, a common tool for everyone. Okay. Um, and since Unity as a company decided to give a decentralized solution, let's say, so you get, get verified and you have access to the decentralized asset store, as they call. Right. But that's a source of like close to one and a half million developers that visit it monthly. Why, which all of us as parachains individually go through a verification process and pay 100k a year, uh -huh. when we can create a Polkadot sort of solution, then all of us then as parachains have access to it. And it doesn't limit us in terms of what we can do individually on top of it, right? It's sort of a base layer for everyone, and then each of us can build on top. So let's find common tools that we can all sort of push together as an ecosystem, and then we can all go back into our own little boxes and build our stuff. What does this allow us to do that we couldn't do before? From my perspective, one is, so there's the visibility part of it, that right now there's a decentralized story where you have Aptos, you have Polygon, but Pol you know, Polkadot is nowhere. And, uh. and since Polkadot has sort of decided that one of the verticals that they want to go after is gaming, yeah. it's a must to have a presence, whether that's Unity or Unreal, because Unity is used by over 60%, I think, of game developers to build everything. So. We need a presence. What does it allow you to build as far as games go? To mint NFTs, okay, and to use them, and to use them probably. <laughs> but that's you know, it's as simple as that. Okay, I see it more as, a, as maybe sort of the interface upon which developers can build a game. It's not only used for games, right? It's sort of the, the front end side of things, right? So it's used for architecture. It can be used for animation. There's different, I think, true that use cases probably for Unity. Gotcha. Okay, so we're the developers, we're building games, and then we have uh, players who input time into the game. But I guess players also input uh, relationships and imagination mm -hmm. and um, lore. And how do we open the doors to these players to make them, or to invite them to become part of the development of these, of these games? I think you just listen to them. Like, you try to be active. I think a big part about it is just listening to the community, uh -huh. trying to be engaged and I think it's the only way to, to be in the, in the trenches. And then I think, I mean, a lot of them are really willing and are happy about giving feedback and being engaged, so. I agree, you just you know, need to be like in a strong, I mean, a closed feedback loop yeah. with your community. And, and they're always, you know, happy to, happy to tell you what they want. And, you know, we experienced it with, with our Minecraft-based stuff, people, put in insane amount of hours. We had uh, like a seasonal servers with like plots, we can after this yeah. plots. And really like people spend their life there. I don't even know how, how people have that <laughs> many, much time to do it and they just do it for fun. And, and, and also a public pressure village also, it's, it's in Minecraft. You got no incentives for, for being there and, and building it. And they just did it's built insane cities. Right, wow. right. Just having fun. I remember, I, f I feel like some people were getting their kids to play as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, if you're wondering where all the time came yeah, from, it might have been. Actually, it's probably other way around. Okay. okay. I was just considering at some point, like, I need to the kid right now, I need to groom that kid to be a pro player so he can, you know, take the Absolutely. lunch money of others. That's, right, right. Uh, I think it's an in interesting approach as well, like, we're big fans of like the 80-20 approach, just building something to 80% and then um, slowly uh, getting to the perfection, which you will obviously never reach, but 
I think what is really great if you have a, a really tight-knit community there is like you get to the 80, you push it out, and you get feedback. And you can integrate that feedback of the community and integrate it into the game. And they feel heard. They, they give great feedback most of the time. So it's like a win-win almost. Like you, you don't spend that unnecessary time of really perfecting it. Um, but you rather get like your community involved. Should work for us at least. Yeah, I love that. Uh, but I think what Adam said sort of it, it's the closed loop, right? Because yeah. all you have to do is go sort of on, on Twitter, not crypto Twitter, game Twitter, <laughs> and you'll see that it's equally as toxic as crypto. Uh -huh. And you'll see if you see how fans are interacting there with the developers, it's horrible, right? Mm -hmm. It's fix your shitty game. And they're talking to developers that, you know, from Activision with, you know, millions and millions of players. So mm. I don't know there's a fine line between where you're listening and working with the community and crossing that line and you're allowing the inmates to run the prison. So right, right. I, I don't see a future where we're going to have, uh, let's say, on-chain <laughs> decisions about development. About every little yeah. So yeah, aspect. Of I don't oh, think that... We're talking Black Mirror here, no. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So um, I don't know, again, I don't know the answer, but I, I think if you... It, there's a closed circle which is always sort of opinionated and they want support. Yeah, and yeah. as you move to the more casuals, mm. they will casually treat you and tell you to, hey, this is great, or equally, I just F off your game. Sucks. Interesting, okay. Well, I think a big piece of, of at least both of your platforms is you also want to enable other people to build games upon it. Can you speak a little bit to that experience? Well, some of it was quite anti recently, quite closed, like in the past one year for sure. Uh, because of this exact same reason, I think that you mentioned that, uh, you know, we wanted to keep, keep the family tight and, and, and you know, they, they were the ones uh, giving us valuable feedback of how to shape everything that we do. And, you know, I think if you would have, like, tried to scale too early, too fast, mm -hmm. involving, you know, like, who knows how many, what kind of people they we were just, would have been con constantly being shit on. And recently we see, like, so many, I mentioned it in, in my, my presentation too, like, communities building and having their own sub-communities inside the Moonsama ecosystem mostly like nft based and and you know they also came to the same realization that cool we have nfts like nice pictures to look at but we actually want to like do something fun with them we want to sure, play sure. and and you know they try to develop their own kinds of games uh, of course uh, they're all simple and they try to do all the same little you know steps that we had to do back then um uh, so so you know we came to a point where we need to help all these um communities or builders with the tools or like know-how, documentation, you know, whatever we can offer them to, to, to grow and also grow our own ecosystem because in the end, they're a part of us there. They're plugged into the, the, the whole larger picture of, of Musama, for example. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, take it, take it, take it from there. Right. I remember in the early days, uh, once you launched your NFT marketplace, yeah. People were launching NFT collections, and then those collections were making their ways into the game, mm. right? Like uh, Mar Marluo Kusama and, and all those original one-of-one -one art pieces and yes. whatnot. That was so cool. We started, last year was all about the infrastructure for us, right? Right, so right, we, right. We had to go get our parachain, set up the team to make sure that we can set everything up. Yeah. And from my side, like Nicholas, I was already out sort of trying to talk with, with game developers and game studios. Yeah. And I think I had a pretty consistent message that was coming from, any, from everyone, which was, we want money and we want a community, okay. right? Because we've, as a blockchain, I think, space, we've conditioned game developers that, hey, just go to an ecosystem fund, they'll throw you 50K, 100K. 
and you'll build. You can't build any game with 50 or 100k, and what was happening is that they would just jump from one ecosystem to the other, getting uh. 50ks and launching the same game. Sure, sure. But the end result for us was the same. It's very difficult to sign up um, a game to build on us as sort of a, a new parachain in an ecosystem that's not doesn't have users, has nothing to do with the gaming up until recently. Um, so at some point, our choice was pretty simple. We need to switch faster to the product layer or the application layer because it's much easier to build a community, I think, around products um, oh, yeah. rather than, hey, let me tell you about the awesome infrastructure and medium articles and, and things like that. Right. Um, so at some point, by switching to the application layer, we're just trying to figure out sort of the, our, our north is if we can create products which can at the same time onboard a community for sort of third parties that want to enter mm -hmm. and raise them a bit of funds. So with the awesome Unavatas, that was the idea. Sort of um, not an NFT drop, but how about if the game is about you creating your own NFT on your own through a mini game, crafting and so on and so forth. Right, right. So hopefully by the end of that sort of mini game, you have your avatar or your yeah. NFT, which it has value because you care about it. You spend X amount of time. We're taking what we learned like, yeah. from like the community, like okay. you talked about as well. Um, we built a new team, new developers and uh, working together with Pinin, for example. Yeah, oh, right. um, And are building an, a new game that's called Stardust Colonies. Different um, story. Yeah, it's a completely different game. It's just us in the back because we, we saw that that's what's what's working for us. Yeah. Like building the team and communicating a lot and trying to like the approach we take to building a game, delivering, um, just really resonated with the community as well. So we're taking those expertise, uh, build a new game, a new team with uh, competent people and deliver on a, you know. And I mean, with them, they're offering so much support and help. So it's almost a Crazy. So, what happens to the Everlude story? What happens to the Everlude NFTs? I mean, that's a completely separate. I mean, the the main goal is obviously. I mean, I talked with so many people about it today. That what needs to happen in the whole Polkadot gaming space is that we need to work together. Yeah. And that's yeah. just another approach for us as well. Like trying to combine the communities, not work against each other, but build like a big group where everybody's excited for everybody. Um, hopefully, a lot of positivity. And um, yeah. I mean, they are separate, but the main goal is to combine the communities and, and show what, what gaming can be like and apply those, those ethics, those ideals, I guess, to, to a Yuna as well. Uh, Alex, what's happening at uh, uh, Unique coming up that's going to be contributing to this vertical? Um, well, we did some very serious infrastructure stuff for well, you know, our, 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 my conversation is always about the next generation NFTs. Hmm. So uh, we've done, uh, we've, we made the first kind of NFT palette in the ecosystem, and now we made it very powerful. It can do a lot of things. Uh, we made a, a, a few more palettes, so we can do nesting, we can do bundling, we can do um, all kinds of weird stuff like that that you actually do need in gaming. So uh, for the, some of those more hardcore kind of uh, people that want to do more on chain, they got actually toys to play with. So that stuff has been released, and now we what uh, what we're working on is uh, eye candies for all of them to inspire and kind of start building out. So that's uh, um, we had a few hackathons where people are making. UIs for bundles to kind of play with and so on. It was very funky things. Um, at least for our dev relations guy, he's crying when he sees them. He's happy. <laughs> uh, yeah, because you know you 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 can kind of do very cool stuff with it, and then combine that with the 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 the, the, the mass 
uh, adoption kind of tooling like sponsoring transaction fees, you know, so you can hide the blockchain under the hood, or okay. uh, or kind of fiat gateways or you know things like that. People mm. can start pl really playing with the. Uh, some serious level infrastructure. The second important thing that we are working hard on uh, since kind of earlier this year is um, uh, NFT XCM, something that kind of Polkadot people will appreciate. So uh, we have XCM for uh, which is messaging between parachains, but we don't have it for NFTs. Hmm. Right. So the uh, really important things for this thing to to work. Okay. So what. Uh, or talk, just talking about is to be able to actually send NFTs from one parachain to the other and that's what we're working on. So hopefully, you know, that happens then, you know, then we can really start having people playing and kind of playing football between different parachains or that's something cool. like that. <laughs> that so cool. That's, that's, that's going to be, a, you know, that's going to be fun. NFT, XEM for NFTs, that was released with V3, right? But that we just nope. don't. Nope. What, what, what was that whole story? I thought it was like NFTs over XEM. No, no. Nope. <laughs> nope. That's bullshit? Uh, yep. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just... Why was that bullshit? Uh, all you can send is an identifier. You can't send metadata or uh, nothing uh, about uh, uh, it. Uh, so, uh, you know. Great for V4. And actually, <laughs> and it's actually. No, no. <laughs> no, actually, you know, there is nothing, believe me. I mean, you know, we were doing that for, for, for a, few, a few months now. Uh, the next thing actually that needs to happen, what we realized, is first step to, to, to cure that is because it's actually two things. You're sending ID and metadata, and it's two transactions. If you send them, you can send two transactions, but the, the, the second one can fail, and then you have an NFT that's uh, lost, lost in it. So, uh. so, so, so actually the first step we're doing is the, the, the thing that's going to fix that, so help you recovery and so on, and then we can really focus on a serious thing, which is a very long and boring conversation, but once it's done, then everybody's going to be happy. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll trust you on that one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And we, we just went through that. We migrated Evolute from Kusama to Moonbeam, and we had exactly that happen. Like, since the composability of we are using Remark, I'm sorry. Uh -huh. um, you had like stages where one stuff was working and the rest wasn't, and then you have like this. Uh, those problems you occur. So I think multi-chain is going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a tough nut to crack, but, you know, we'll get there. Well, yeah. that is good enough for that. Good stuff. And Adam, what's coming up on Moonsama that uh, we can look forward to? I'm not allowed to drop alphas. Okay. <laughs> uh, you got one? Huh? Just one. No, Half. One. No, <laughs> this, this one is, 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 is a strictly controlled. Sorry. First three Sounds letters. Good. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But it's coming. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And then, you know, like all of our game developments focus there because, you know, we, we, we love Minecraft, but, you know, they, they, they came out with the scare of, you know, they. They released this statement that they don't like NFTs, and they're not banned right now. But they're cares? Cares. Who knows? Who cares? They're Microsoft guys now. The real guy is gone. He's got his billion dollars. So yeah, you know, yeah, just go at it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This fascinating talk, and it's really actually interesting to get uh, all you together because um, it seems like you're all approaching this uh, from different angles and uh, all running into different challenges and finding different solutions. So we're but, all pulling on the same string. Yeah, exactly. It seems to be this convergence there. Hey, Captain. Yes, <laughs> aye, aye. So anyway, thanks very much, everybody, for coming on the show and, and sharing your experiences. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers.